You're listening to Rethinking Sustainability. Thoughts, ideas, inspirations for a livable future. After what she described as a busy and turbulent life, Sue Ferris wrote her first book while in her 80s and nearly blind. Let's Not Lose Them is an impassioned plea to save the species with whom we share this planet. And she's a lifelong nature lover and a radical thinker. And having met Sue, I've witnessed some of her boundless energy. And she asks, we can be intelligent, but can we be wise? Which makes me think the label we give ourselves, Homo sapiens, literally means wise man. But are we really? And here we are with climate change, environment destruction and nuclear weapons. And now we're trying to outsmart ourselves with artificial intelligence. Without much doubt, we consider ourselves to be the most intelligent species on the planet. As far as we know, there is no other species to challenge this. Our catalogue of achievements dates from when our primate forebears first became bipedal, with developed opposite thumbs and forefingers to enable manual dexterity. The list of our technical achievements could go on and on, but suffice it here to highlight a few pivotal ones. The making of tools, building of shelters discovery of fire, planting of seeds for food provision, the emergence of tribal communities and the beginnings of art, rock art and so on, for what were likely a form of messaging, but quite possibly also self-expression. These are some of the earliest signs of human progress. Because Australia had remained isolated from the rest of the world since Gondwana times, Our first peoples had been able to sustain their way of life, supplementing the shortfall of their tribal food needs through intertribal bartering. Because the population remained small, small enough not to disturb the delicate natural balance, this vast dry continent remained intact for arguably 65,000 years. Their needs were met sustainably. There was therefore no need to upset this balance. That all began to unravel from the moment the invaders arrived in 1788. The first peoples had a deep bond with nature, were part of it, its custodians rather than its owners. The invaders, many of them our own forebears, brought with them from the wider world a very different mindset. Nature was the resource, and tragically, the savages were too often in the way. These invaders brought the more sophisticated technologies of Europe, Britain and the known world all of which had devastating impacts on our first inhabitants. Guns, alcohol, tobacco, sugar, flour, and especially new diseases, for which the First Peoples had no immunity. You know the story, ugly history, finally coming to light about the barbarous behaviour of our civilised forebears, often in the name of Christianity. Now we are beginning to acknowledge it was in fact a genocidal campaign of the blind eye, unofficial kind. The invaders also brought money and the concept of ownership, particularly of land, the results of which we now see playing out alarmingly and increasingly in the form of climate disasters. I see two main causes, the failure to learn from these primitive peoples how to live sustainably in this fragile environment and the rapacious attitude to an unknown continent, regarding it as strictly as first 
a dumping ground to ease the burden on overcrowded prisons in Britain, then as a place to be exploited, and from 1851 as the land of opportunity once gold had been discovered. The two are interconnected, of course. Had the invaders not dismissed our earliest peoples as mere savages, they might have learned something of the wisdom they had acquired over thousands of years and their deep respect for Mother Nature. Evidence these days is that Indigenous people are humble and generous, willing to share their ancient wisdom, despite the ugly past. But arrogance, ignorance and greed got in the way. Fortunately and finally, now that we are on the edge of climate precipice, Many people such as environmentalists and conservationists are turning to the descendants of the First Peoples for advice and active involvement in a joint venture to stem the tide of potential climate collapse. Grounds for hope, perhaps, but time is short. Climate disaster events today are not confined to Australia, of course, though we are among the worst polluters in the world and nature doesn't respect our borders. As a friend put it recently, we live on a finite planet. We have been plundering the earth, treating nature as our resource for too long. Nature has had enough and is now rebelling. The driving force behind all this is greed. Ironically, as it seems to me, this greed tends to be most rampant in countries which call themselves democracies and which also happen to have capitalist economies. It's clearly documented that these are the countries with the greatest disparity between wealth and poverty, and not only that, at both national and individual citizen levels, it's the wealthy who are consuming by far the most of, of our finite resources. And the poor and the poor countries suffer an unjust proportion of the consequences. Unseasonable floods, bushfires, wild storms, melting ice caps, rising sea levels and precious native species losses affects us all increasingly. But how are we responding? In my small part of the world, I see fear, dread, apathy, anger, and even outright denial, though it's getting hard to argue the latter. Yet on top of this, possibly connected, we are seeing increasing right-wing extremist trends among world leaders driven by lust for power and control, sometimes involving human atrocities. Even here in Australia, not at war ourselves, our leaders are aligning us with AUKUS and the US, vested interest ahead of moral principle. So, we are the most intelligent species? Perhaps it depends what you mean by intelligence. Cleverness is obviously a component, yes. But I would argue that we also need emotional intelligence, the imaginative capacity to put ourselves in another's shoes. I don't mean sympathy. That can amount to no more than pity or patronage. I mean the ability to feel from inside their psyche. For me, that's an essential part of intelligence. But what about wisdom? We live in a fast-moving world, more and more dominated by increasingly clever technology. In an amazingly short time, our species has moved from inventing the telephone, the radio, aircraft, more and more expertise in the medical field, and many more clever technological inventions, mostly in my lifetime. Mining, too, has given us nuclear power, coal, oil and gas, though at a huge cost to the planet, as we can finally see. Since the invention of the computer, we have been rapidly hurtling into the digital age. We now have facial and voice recognition. 
we have instant contact with anyone, anywhere, and social media is increasingly becoming our preferred form of communication, not only among the young. The human capacity to invent is alive and well, though given that knowledge is cumulative, perhaps the invention of, of fire, or later the wheel, can be seen as even more amazing. Something is seriously missing from all this cleverness. Wisdom, the ethical dimension. The speed of life now allows little time for reflection, and our profit-driven capitalist economy drives us on to acquire more and more stuff. It has become addictive, creating guaranteed unfulfillment. We are like caged mice in a turning wheel, endlessly spinning and not sure how to break free. Now we find ourselves in a world in which a few are becoming ever richer and more and more are becoming poorer, pushed to the margins. With so much stuff, we face major disposal problems globally and we have plundered our earth to the point where nature is furious. We could rein this in tomorrow. We have the so-called money, which could be reallocated virtually overnight. The AUKUS deal, $368 billion nuclear submarines for a start. But it doesn't happen. Why? Put simply, because our political parties are in the pockets of the fossil fuel and forestry exploiters, the obvious cause of the problem. As more and more of us are realising now, it's a crisis issue that only the people, we, can address. Yes, we are intelligent, but that on its own is not enough. Without wisdom, we are in deep trouble. Cleverness says we can. Wisdom asks, should we? Sue Ferris. And if you've read Charles Darwin or Alfred Russell Wallace, you'll enjoy her book, which is very much in a similar style. And as we destroy nature, we are destroying ourselves. She's contributing proceeds from her book, Let's not lose them to various environment organisations. Next week on Rethinking Sustainability, we ask, do we really need to leave people on the scrap heap of unemployment? And, spoiler alert, the answer is no. This community project will demonstrate why that is so.